0: This summer, at the, the Museum of Nature and Science here in Denver, hosted a special interactive exhibit of mazes. Um, who loves mazes? Brain teasers. Yeah, they're, they're fun. Um, so they had all sorts of games that you could play. You could build, like, a giant maze out of blocks. There were, like, these brain teasers that you could do. Yeah, it was, it was just really, really fun. Um, the boys got to go a couple times, and... They just loved it. Uh, so Sam, in particular, there was one time I took him and there was, there's this life-size maze, like this labyrinth that you could go through and explore. And Sam just loved this thing. And so what, what he wanted to do was he wanted me to go with him and he wanted us to go through the maze as fast as we could. Now, now, naturally, you know kind of how mazes work <laughs> that you kind of go one direction until you kind of reach a dead end, and then it's like, okay, you can't go any further. So we turn around, work our way back, and start over again. Um, But here's the thing. There was this one moment where Sam stopped, and he was convinced that we had reached a dead end. Now, I, being, you know, six foot tall, you know, mid-30s adult, and like, you no, know, I can see that this actually is the way we need to go. Like, we need to keep moving. Like, this is not a dead end, Sam. Let's keep going. But he, he was just f- focused on the idea, like, yeah, this is a dead end. Let's turn back and go <laughs> around again. <laughs> Have you ever come to a dead end in your life? Maybe it was that job, those circumstances, a financial situation. That uncomfortable conversation, that relationship, the advice that you were given, the growth that you seek, the change that you want to advocate for, have you ever reached a dead end in your life? Hope is tricky, friends. We talk a lot about hope in the Advent season, but hope is tricky. Sometimes we give up too quickly. We give up when we are facing what we're facing is just an obstacle and not the real end of the line. It's not a dead end. Don't give up. But sometimes, sometimes we hold on too long, hoping for change that never comes, living in denial when something is actually beyond hope, when what you actually need to do is turn around and walk in the other direction. When do we let go? When do we hold on? And how do we tell the difference? Our passage today is about hope in a hopeless situation. It teaches us something vital about the nature of hope, something that can provide us with discernment and sustain us in the face of darkest situations. So we're going to turn to God's Word. We have two readings this morning. But before we read, well, first let's turn to Isaiah chapter 11, starting in verse 1. And before we read, I'm going to pray for us. Almighty God of this Advent season, you hold our lives and all things together. And we ask you to give us light so that we can see what you're doing. Open our ears so that we can hear your voice and respond with gratitude and obedience to your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise your name. Amen. We're looking at the book of Isaiah, chapter 11. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. Now we're going to turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. I'm going to start reading in verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid. Just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished, and gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this, and then told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of God, and we are grateful. Amen? Today we're continuing our series, The Beautiful One, Portraits of Jesus. Beauty is hard to define, but we know it when we see it. Our hearts crave beauty. French philosopher Simone Weil said this, in all that awakens within us the pure and authentic sentiment of beauty, there is truly the presence of God. There is a kind of incarnation of God in the world of which beauty is the sign. Friends, we believe The Jesus, the beautiful one, is the source of all beauty, and beauty is a sign that points us to him. Now, as we walk through this Advent season, the season of expectant waiting, we're looking at the beauty of Jesus through the visionary words of the prophet Isaiah. And then we're looking at the gospel stories to see Jesus embodying that beautiful vision. Now, Isaiah was a prophet in the ancient kingdom of Israel around the 8th century B.C., some 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Isaiah, in in that day, Israel had turned its back on its covenant with God. The kingdom had been torn in two, the northern kingdom still called Israel and the southern kingdom called Judah. Its kings and its leaders were self-seeking and corrupt, They'd all given themselves over to injustice and idolatry. It was a dark time, a time that seemed full of false hopes and devoid of true hope. And God called Isaiah to bring a very hard and difficult message, a message that no one wanted to hear. Because of Israel's idolatry and injustice, God was going to use the empires of Assyria and then later Babylon to judge Jerusalem if they persisted in their false worship and their oppression of the poor. Part of Isaiah's job was crushing their false hopes, disappointing and angering people. Anyone want to sign up for that job? (laughs) Isaiah asks God how long he'll have to share his unpopular and unwanted message. He says, how long, O Lord? And then God answers, until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land is a desolate waste and the Lord removes people far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land and though a tenth remain in it, It will be burned again, like a terebinth or an oak, whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. I remember hiking through Waldo Canyon near Colorado Springs back in 2011. It was a beautiful space full of these tall, majestic pine trees reaching for the blue sky. Then, in 2012, wildfire started in Waldo Canyon, eventually burned over 18,000 acres, destroyed over 300 homes, forcing the evacuation of over 32,000 people. After the fire was contained, the canyon was left desolate. And where once there were these tall, majestic trees, all that was left there were these, star, these, these charred stumps. That's the picture, the word picture, that Isaiah gives us of what would happen to Israel because of their idolatry and injustice. They would be like a forest tree chopped down, nothing left but a stump, and then the stump itself would be burned with fire. This picture of beauty destroyed, a dead end, the end of hope. And yet Isaiah calls this stump a holy seed. In our passage today, Isaiah returns to this word picture of the stump. He talks about the stump of Jesse. A stump is the remnant of something once beautiful that's been destroyed, a dead end. What is the stump of Jesse? Well, Jesse was the father of King David, the best known of Israel's kings. And God had promised David that a descendant in his line would reign as king on his throne forever. But those kings, those sons of David, had been one disappointment after another. They had been the ones who led Israel into injustice and idolatry. And now they were at the point where enemies were surrounding them and they were desperately seeking hope. Hope in all the wrong places. Looking for hope in wealth and luxury, political alliances with military powers, Um, Vain religious practices How do we look for hope In the wrong places Do we hope in that new experience That trip on the horizon Do we hope that making a move Will make everything better Do we look to that new relationship Do we look to that political leader Who promises to solve our every problem These false hopes Are guaranteed to disappoint. Israel, or Isaiah, when he uses this word picture of the stump, this, the sprout coming from the stump of Jesse, he's talking about a king. He's talking about a new king who had come from the line of David, but not the same disappointing sort of king that they had gotten so used to. Not the same self-interested, self-aggrandizing, self-seeking ruler now this would be a king who would establish justice. As it says, he would judge the needy with righteousness and decide with equity for those who suffer in the land. And by establishing justice, he would create peace in the world and the wolf would live with the lamb. Something new coming from the same root. See friends, hope is Found where it seemed like hope was gone, where it seemed like a dead end, a new way is found, where it seemed like only death, new life springs up, and that life is Jesus. See, that is what we see in Jesus, born into the line of David centuries after the monarchy had actually ended. In our gospel reading, we see Jesus um, talking to a man whose daughter was grievously sick, on death's door. The messenger comes and says, "Your daughter has died. Why bother the teacher anymore?" You see, he comes face to face with death, the ultimate dead end, the end of all hope. But in the face of death, Jesus speaks. And he says, don't be afraid, just believe. Another translation says, don't be afraid, just keep trusting. Just keep trusting. The Christian vision of hope is not rooted in positive thinking, not crossing our fingers and wishing for things to be all right, for things to turn out how we wish know the Christian hope is rooted in trust trust in a person trust in Jesus so the question is where is your hope rooted where is your hope rooted when I was a junior year in uh, when I was in my junior year in college I was majoring in uh, film and television production at a school in Oklahoma, um, in Tulsa, which actually some would call uh, the Hollywood of Oklahoma. Just kidding. Uh, (laughs) But strangely enough, strangely enough, um, Movie Maker Magazine recently rated Tulsa as the number one city in the country to live and work as a filmmaker. Who knew? Anyway, my dream at that point in time was to be a filmmaker. The, uh, the summer of junior year was when I had to land my internship so that I could you know, set the trajectory for my career, and that was, uh, that's where I was headed. So I was sending out applications left and right, uh, Los Angeles, New York, Vancouver, even some in Oklahoma, um, dozens of applications. And then I landed this amazing internship in Hollywood and became a famous filmmaker. And then I won my first Oscar. And <laughs> okay, just wanted to make sure you guys were paying attention. <laughs> of all those applications that I sent out, I only heard back from one, from a family-owned production company in my hometown of Colorado Springs. And I did not want to land back in Colorado Springs it felt like a dead end to me. But I had to do this summer internship to graduate on time, and so that's what I did. Long story short, it was in Colorado Springs that I connected with a church, First Pres Colorado Springs, that helped me get clarity on my own calling. You see, I thought that I wanted to be a filmmaker, but what I really loved, and what I really love, is hearing people's stories and telling stories. And now my job is listening to people's stories and helping them find how their story connects with God's story. And obviously it was through that church that I met Katie, and it did set the whole course, the whole trajectory of my life. I had to let go of some dreams and some false hopes, but Jesus gave me something better on the other side. Now, it's easy for me to look back, you know, 10 years down the road and see how God used that dead end in my life. When you're face to face with a dead end, it can feel impossible to look beyond it. To know what to do, to hold on to hope or to let go and grieve and look for the new thing that God is doing. But in all cases, the invitation from Jesus is to just keep trusting. Just keep trusting. You don't see how it's all going to work out. Just keep trusting. You can't see the way forward. Just keep trusting. Because Christian hope isn't first and foremost about circumstances turning out the way we wish they would. Christian hope is focused on a person, on Jesus, and the ultimate hope that he is making all things new. So friends, this is just a reminder. Don't root your trust in false hopes. So back to our opening questions. When do we let go? When do we hold on? And how do we tell the difference? Sometimes, we hold on too long because we can't imagine life on the other side. Maybe it's a toxic relationship or a dead-end job. You stay because you can't imagine any other possibility. But the truth is the Christ will still be with you if you step away. You don't have to face that alone. And sometimes we bail on situations because things get hard and for some reason, we have the idea that if God is in it, it, w- it shouldn't be hard. But Jesus reveals to us a God who raises the dead. There is hope beyond whatever dead end you face because Jesus is with you. And Christ is with you as you discern, as you seek to know the difference. So listen, listen to your community, listen to what the Spirit is speaking in your heart. Christian hope is not hope in the abstract. It's hope rooted in trust, rooted in a person, rooted in Jesus. So right now I want to invite you to to close your eyes and just take a few moments. I want to give you a chance to talk to God. I want you to think about a situation in your life that feels like a dead end, that feels like it's beyond hope. Just picture this huge stump it has been, the remnant of this giant tree has just been cut down. And there it is sitting, dry and lifeless in front of you. But as you look closer, you see that there's a little green sprout springing up. Jesus is the giver of life. He's the giver of hope. Talk to him about where you need to see hope in your life today. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you give us hope through what you speak to us and through your presence in our lives. And we pray also that you would nourish us at this table. We thank you and praise you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Friends, in a moment, we're going to come to this table and take communion together. Friends, this table points to the cross. The cross which was the ultimate dead end, the dead end of history. It was the way that the Roman Empire dealt with runaway slaves. It's how they ended dissent. It's an echo of all the atrocities and all the horrors of history, all of humanity's various inhumanities, our ability and propensity to do the unthinkable to others for for the sake of our own self-interest. But Jesus took the cross to himself. He let himself be nailed to it. And with it, all of that horror and death, all the worst of our sin, all the worst that humanity has to offer, Jesus took that on himself. And by his death and by his resurrection, he transfigured the cross. What was once a symbol of oppression became a sign of liberation. What once was a piece of dead, dry wood, an instrument of death, became the source of new life. What once was a dead end, now became the way. What once was a burned-out stump, became a tree of life. So friends, that is what this table represents. Hope beyond hope hope in the face of death because even in the face of death our lord is the giver of life jesus is here he's the host at this table he's inviting you to come and share in this meal he's inviting you just keep trusting